Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Apichapong Wirasethical about his 2002 feature, Blissfully Yours. We were delighted to have the Thai director recently join us at FLC as part of our complete retrospective, The World of Apichapong Wirasethical. A mesmerizing and sensuous meditation on love and desire, Apichapong's second, and first fully fictional, feature film established him as one of world cinema's most essential talents. The plot follows a romance between a Thai nurse and her boyfriend who go on a jungle picnic with an older woman, whom they both seem to know, in hot pursuit. The tranquility of their date, enveloping and tender as it may initially seem, slowly recedes to reveal a more complex emotional picture, one marked by a Pichapong's sophisticatedly low-key and true-feeling approach to rendering human desire. Now please enjoy the conversation between a Pichapong Weird Sethical and NYFF Artistic Director Dennis Lim. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't seen it actually for a long time. Yeah. When was the last time? I don't know. More than 10 years. This version, I so I just arrived. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so is that okay? How how the yeah, print is sure. good, right? The print. The print is beautiful. Yes. <laughs> uh, but since you haven't seen it in so long, and it's a film that you made, you know, more than 20 years ago, what what do you remember of it? Is it particular? Do you are you do you remember scenes from the film? Do you remember like experiences from making the film? Do you remember what brought the film about? The the persistence of wanting to to prove something, I think. Um, this is my first fiction, so there's a lot of rules that I imposed on myself. You know, have to be this, and you know, maybe one or two POV shots. You know, just really, really those mm. kind of rules, and. Yeah, and then kind of enjoying that, but I don't make like this anymore in in terms of um, imposing something on myself, you know. So, but it was a discovery of many things mm -hmm. with with those rules. Um, to work with Sayompu for the first time, the yeah. DP, mm -hmm. yeah, and then to work with Lee, the editor. Uh, my editor, yeah. but he's doing a boom here and doing yeah. subtitles and editing and yeah. So, so wait, t tell us some more of these rules. Like, what were these rules, and where did they come from? I'm not sure, but it's it's like um, only one or two dollars. Like everything has to be only one. Okay. Something like I don't know what it's come from. Yeah. So like to only do like a type of camera move or something only once in the film. Yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I don't remember <laughs> why that guy thought like that. Um, <laughs> but but maybe it's, I don't know. It's a, it's also pleasure. It's really sure good. But and we we cut a lot out as well, um, and and be, became very flexible actually in the editing. Yeah, yeah. With the title came later that you know wasn't planned. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So you know we'll talk about your previous film, Mysterious Object at Noon tomorrow. Um, people should come if they can. Uh, you said this was your first fiction. Uh, well, there's a lot of fiction in Mysterious <laughs> Object at Noon as well. Yes, I think, yeah, there's no 
Yeah, it's always but, fiction, no? I think in, 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 any, in any case, it's a very different type of film. Uh, that process, that was a very experimental process where you were just yeah. finding the film as you as you went. Um, and people who've seen it will know. But in this case, what what was there at the start? Was there a script? Yeah, yeah, that's script. Um, very close and to. But you said you cut quite a bit out. Right? Th- there, there, there were quite ideas and then script. But then when I start to make it. Um, I think it's, it's like other films now when I cast and everything kind of shifting. You know, in the beginning it was only it was two women, twenty um, something years old, two about um, the same age. Then. About the same age, and then Jen Jira came. Jane, she she came. She worked as um, like for agency. Mm-hmm. Like she carried this album with actors or mostly extras okay. that I'm looking for. They, so like uh, she worked in casting? Casting, yeah. yeah. It's one of her jobs. And and then she she insert her picture in there <laughs> repeatedly. And <laughs> and I said, sister, you um we, we want someone younger. <laughs> and she just hang out, hang out there and then I said, hmm, so I changed the script to and then changed the name of the character actually i i wrote it jane but she read it and she uh-huh. said no that's that's not me she said it's it's like she's like my mom and and her mom name is orn right so so i changed to orn and yeah um how much would you say you left out of the film like that you cut out maybe 20 30 percent um because it's not end like this there are a lot more uh, actually we spent a lot of time waiting um, because there was raining mm-hmm. a lot, and and so we wait. I think almost a month for the last shot of the film, which they went into the river again, mm. and really elaborate shot. We have this floating camera yeah. uh, on the yeah, and then you know the two women talk, and you know for for a long time, real time, mm. like ten something minutes, but then it's it's, it's um, too much and. Yeah, it's, it's too explaining maybe mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and this idea of um, you know discarding a lot of the material that you shoot and sort of finding the film in the edit. It sounds like you work this way with Memoria as well. Is this something that's con- you know? And people, there's a, a beautiful book that's been published in Memoria. You can see there's a lot of material and ideas and and storylines yeah. that you not just rope, but actually shot uh, and never made it into the film. So is this a way of working that's been consistent throughout your yes, films? Yes, yes. But, but I think this is normal, right, for, yeah. for films. Yeah. Except that I think my film, we always cut the really expensive scene. <laughs> <laughs> Something very simple remains. And yeah, maybe just to prove, right, that to see, that, ah, simple is the best. And, right. <laughs> Yeah, but you still write the expensive but, but, but still very difficult. I remember now yeah. shooting at the river bank. You know, it's all it's fake uh, because it's um, the water keep changing the level. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, the season, you know, the rainy season approaching. But that's the most beautiful light right. season, no? So wait, what was fake? The the the, the underneath is like uh-huh. a sandbag and right. many of the you know the ferns are fakes and so we keep. Actually, it's actually moving higher and higher. Uh-huh. Yes. Just remember that the lab, because we have a small crew, so I and other people helping with the sandbag, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a very fun 
great time. Yeah. Mm. Um, you you said the title came later. Uh, you have uh, your films. I, I don't know if it's said enough that your films have actually, I think, really great titles. Like you know, mysterious objects at noon, syndromes in a century, and you often have different titles for Thai and English, right? So this film has a different title in Thailand. But in, in Thailand, it's like that too, in Hollywood film. Yeah. Yeah. For example, if, if you have Bruce Willis, there would be some keyword that is like, a, uh, we say something strong man, or, or let's say mm-hmm. uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. is always about metal man. Mm-hmm. So metal man something, metal man, and so people know, oh, that's uh, Arnold in it. <laughs> so it, it's, it's never the same translation. So what, what kind of conventions do you use for coming up with your titles? I don't know. This, this one I'm inspired from a pulp, uh, like kind of comic, cheap mm-hmm. comic book. Yeah. Mm. In Thai, no? Thai is so Thai Thai Thai. I mean, like, um, like, like totally into you, something like that. Like, uh, not, not you, but um, I don't know who's Thai here. Please help me. So. Like in ultra in, infatuation. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I remember, like, kind of, you know, a defining feature of this film, something that people talked about a lot, was the uh, delayed appearance of the credit sequence. Um, and the, I guess it was something that you, if I remember correctly, you've said that you also figured that out in the editing. Yeah, that's process. what I mean. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that was just something that you, in working with Lee, you figured out that that felt like the right place to. Yes, because I I think that it's um it's when the the real movie start, you know, because first it's introduction and and then they escape, they go to the this place, you know, that is the key of the film. Mm. So intro and then yeah. I I don't know, but watching it today, I'm just surprised that that was such 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 a a shock to people. Um, there are these mm. um, stories, I don't know if they're true, um, but it's been written about that in Cannes at the press screenings, when the credits rolled, like um, people got out of the seats and tried to alert the projectionist because they thought the reels had been shown out of order. So, you know, the idea that something like this, as simple as this could like be so shocking <laughs> to an audience. I mean, were you expecting that? And what? No, for, for us... I know it was so natural, but at the same time, because we work on it, you know, many, many versions, it's always there in the middle. So got used to it. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, uh, I'm just going to ask a couple more and then I'll open it up because I know there are a lot of people here. So, th- you know, this is the end of your, um, like a nationwide tour that you've been on. You've been showing films, uh, you know, for like the last month, but also visiting uh Colleges, yeah, Berkeley and Walker Art, and yeah, Chicago. And you spent the week here in New York meeting film students and yes, young filmmakers. Yes. And mm. I'm just wondering if this is is a very because usually when you're here, you know, you're here with a new film, you're on the festival circuit, you've just shown it. This how different my, does this feel? I, I became, I think, I become a, like a real trying to be a real filmmaker is because I don't want to be a teacher. So really, like. Many of my friends are, and, and so so I try to avoid that. And but now at this point, I feel like, oh, I want to hear about these uh, filmmakers, you know, young filmmakers, and especially now, I think it's really interesting with uh, YouTube, Netflix, and everything. What what they think about movie, 
Yeah. So so and it become very meaningful trip. You know, yeah. This trip. Yeah. What's been what has been interesting to you about meeting fil- young young filmmakers here in the states? Um, I think it depends on where I was as well. Um, but I I feel that there's a lot of um, I'm say trying to try to make a good film. I think that's a problem. Trying to trying uh-huh. to I have a kind of really. Um, have the form already, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about concept, you know, they might say, "Oh, I don't want this film to be. Uh, I don't want to be like James Benning style. I want to be this style." And but for me, like you just started. How do you know the style? You know, so so it's already kind of that. Or some people were talking about um, the 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 idea. So it's it's almost really academic way that they approach mm-hmm. filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, so the guy would talk about okay, he wants to interview his mom, story of home and stuff, and he don't he didn't use the word interview. He used oral history. Uh-huh. No, so so this kind of frame the word and mm-hmm. uh, is is it's very heavy, mm-hmm. and, and it's almost like you're making the summary of the artwork to put like the wall text yeah. already before yeah. making the artwork, and I think that's a. <laughs> Strange, but 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 they're really open. I like you know, and and what I love is the many people who not film uh, mm-hmm. only. You know, they come like, oh, this is a uh, computer science and mm-hmm. this biology, and so that's so beautiful. Yeah, but you've also, I mean, you have taught like not just in terms of visiting schools, but you've um, you told me you you've done this film workshop right with some with students, and you're doing one this year called How Not to Make a Film. I just started for two, three years this workshop, this kind of workshop. But the theme this year is that, yeah. So they will not be making a film, or they will maybe, be making. Maybe it's up to, <laughs> to them. But I think even the word "film" is really uh-huh. limiting, right? Like, uh, yeah. There is love in resistance. There is joy in community. Human Rights Watch Film Festival returns at Film at Lincoln Center and online from May 31st to June 11th. The festival lifts up communities who are pushing to create a new future, fight for each other's rights, and tell the stories that need to be heard. From a small community of women from West Africa embracing the love for their own bodies, to the impact of climate gentrification closer to home, Human Rights Watch Film Festival sparks urgent conversation through the power of film. Explore the program and book tickets now, ahead of opening night on May 31st, at filmlink.org slash hrwff. Um, I wanted to ask one more question about Blissfully before we maybe, you know, turn to other questions, which is, it's, it's hard not to bring this up given this incredible ending of the film. Um, and the sequence of um, them sleeping or half asleep uh, that ends this this film. And, you know, last night we watched Memoria and, of course, there's that scene of Hernan's sleep, death. And there's a lot of sleeping in, in, your, in, your, in your cinema. Uh, Cemetery of Splendor, of course, you know, uh, and, and in Primitive, the sleep. I mean, the sleeping, I think, in almost every, every one of the films. And you also had, you, you did this installation a few years ago, the Sleep Cinema Hotel, which is actually a physical space that had screens and, and beds. And 
So I'm, I'm curious just about, you know, why you think sleep is an interesting cinematic subject, an interesting thing to put on screen to the sleeping body, the sleeping figure. I don't know. It's um, it's a sleep is is really close to cinema for sure, right? Dreaming and collective um, journey, you know, to light and and is we go to cinema is like to to come to mimic dreams or a dream state, right? When we disappear and um, so there are many angles that I um, kind of look at, uh, including when you shoot someone sleep, it's it's so privileged, I think. Mm-hmm. to because you've, sleeping you've made, is, a film, you've made a film like that like, yeah like shot. I shot my boyfriend my ex and so it's it's about the kindness and how because when you sleep you have to be very um, secure and feel mm-hmm. safe and to be in you know to be able to sleep so for actors um, to to allow that to happen and yeah so so that's something um, yeah, it's, it's also this kind of you, the audience, looking at the people with closed eyes and, you know, so they are dreaming, and but you are also dreaming in another way. Mm-hmm. With that. So it's something really beautiful, I think, yeah. This is a book, um, I think, that the scholar Jean Ma just published about uh, sleep and your... Which deals in with many films, but in large part with your work called At the Edges of Sleep. And I think one of the things she observed in the book is that even though there's a lot of sleeping in your films, there's not a lot of depictions of dreams. The movie itself is a dream, so already. Like Memoria is a whole thing, is a dream, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Um, and I've also heard you greet, you know, audiences at the start of films by wishing them like a good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that's... Did uh, I say that? <laughs> not well. I've heard you say this before, but you weren't here. To, but I didn't say that at the start. But uh, is, is, um, do you think this is a productive way to watch a film sometimes, to drift off, to doze, to you know, go through different states of consciousness? It depends. I, I, I slept in my films um, a lot um, because it's... Um, I don't know. When you... Anyone slept this film? And then, uh, oh, okay, thank you. It's like you, you're catching no up or you just yeah. like connected your own dream with, okay, what's, what's now, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. But we talked last night, I think you, you also yeah, like yeah. to sleep. It's yeah. a way of re-editing the film, like as you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we... Uh, I do have more questions, but I, I might save them for tomorrow because there's so many people here and I'm sure there are a lot of questions. Uh, so we have microphones in the audience and uh, yeah, raise your hand. Um, I see one right in the middle there. Yeah, I think you're wearing a mask, yeah. Hi, thank you so much uh, for this really interesting Q&A and for the film. Uh, my question is a maybe a bit abstract question, but I'll explain what I'm thinking. Um, I am wondering what is your understanding of intimacy? Um, so in many of your film, it seems that the uh, intimacy is often entangled with um, a kind of illegitimacy um, and sickness, and sometimes it is fear. Um, and all these tension, they kind of played out in the jungle where um, they are actually, they found themselves in the status of in between 
resolved and unresolved. And I think this um, depiction of intimacy is very interesting. And I'm wondering, what is your understanding of intimacy and what may shape your understanding of it? Mm, I like how you put it. It's, um, I think it's an answer in itself, maybe. It's interesting. And it's how, I mean, bodies, you know, to be, to be in a kind of vulnerable state, you know, when you are half naked in the, with the jungle, you know, you, you're kind of free, but at the same time you expose, um, you know, to whatever around you, but also expose your emotion. And so, so the idea of going there for the character is also, you know, to find that um, closeness, but also really openness to, um, yeah, this kind of uh, push and pull maybe, or, or, or dialogue between bodies and nature and inside, outside is, for me, is really crucial. For, for this film and for Tropical Malady too, uh, the film afterwards. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll go right in the front, yeah. Hi, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I guess my question is, you watch some of these long scenes with someone walking or just being and you think this is something completely kind of real and without an artifice, but you're obviously a director, you do multiple takes. I guess I'm, I'm curious sort of where does real end and like fiction begin in this and your other films? I don't know. It, it's it's all fiction, right? Films. I think it's once you frame it, you know, it's your your point of view. Um, and and for me, it's it's um you know this mundane activities, you know, it is. You know, for me, it's framing is fiction already. But when when you talk about film in general, story, or something that you have to have a plot, um, then you you found that it's become something, you no know, fiction, or yeah. But but for me, um, to show something like that is 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 really really questionable. Like like you have it now like whether that's a fact or fiction because there's no story you know but in fact it's a fiction you know the way one eat or the way you know so for me i, I kind of like this like what is cinema you know how, how do you edit one thing out about sickness out or someone go to the toilet or someone has an erection so all these things that some film just cut out and assume that it's um, there but but yeah, but so when you show it there, it's um, even though it's fiction, but it evoke kind of non-fiction feeling that we we found in I don't know nature documentary or or in our daily life. And, um, yeah, yeah, right there. Um, so between this film, uh, Tropical Malady, and um, Worldly Desires, you spend a lot of time filming in the jungle. So I wanted to ask what your relationship was like with these wild places at the time and maybe if it's changed in the last 20 years. With what relationship? What your relationship with these places, like the jungle. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because they, they, they really activate my, mm, uh, my, my sense of being human uh, because, and also about framing too uh, because I, for me, I cannot work in a 
studio, I'm frozen. Because to go to the nature, you really have to be very active all the time, right? With the sun moving, the shadow changing. You have to say, okay, the continuity, how to do with that, the, the shadow is gone. Or the... So, so I, I really like that also with my DP and the team is always active and negotiating with nature and actor and okay how about changing the short the the anchor whatever yeah so so that is really liberating um so so i've been to many jungles in thailand to do that and there's a really good a big attachment to it and for example this film when we're not shooting you know we you know take a, a little break on the weekend and then i went and discovered this cave the temple and i found these two ladies and then they appear in tropical malady you know so it's from this kind of observation and, and encounters to yeah and, and if you see some short films yeah like like worldly desires yeah it came up yeah mm. yeah we'll go to the very back hi um like you said uh you said this movie came out 20 years ago. It's been about 10 years since you've seen it, and all this time has passed in your life, obviously. Two of the characters are probably closer to about 20, and the others are close to middle-aged, and they seem to have different experiences with love. The younger ones seem to have a more optimistic within the film, and then at the end with the last caption, it seems a bit not as great, and then the older characters, it doesn't really seem as tender at all. I was wondering, how has your perception of these characters and their experiences changed over time as you've gone from somebody in the position of the younger people to perhaps closer to somebody closer to the older characters? Um, you mean you mean how do I work with them over the years same, or with the same character? Or? Oh, I guess your reflection on the characters in this very film. Like, do you, do you almost Young love is versus old love. Or... Oh, mm. Mm. there's many. I'm trying to think of my my idea at that time. It was, I don't know. I I also think one of the main drive is also not love, but about political situation, mm. and how. Hmm, it's really hard because because there, you know, this Burmese man who came and you know it's almost like shading his skins and then being taken care of almost almost kind of um, surrealist uh, way by two women and um, because at that time there were a lot of nationalist film about Thai and Burma um, in terms of the, the conflict and there are a lot of period film. And a lot of at that time, a lot of people uh, had the flags in front of their houses, and and so there's a lot of uh, this propaganda, and so so Burma is always the number one enemy, you know, in the textbooks, and then yeah, so so I feel I think it's more about that kind of whatever love you're questioning about the nation and the, everything, yeah, but at the same time. It's also based on the, the story as well of, of 
Jane and uh, Rung. Uh, um, like for Rung, uh, she's she's also like in the text. I think in the last, when she was in a quite abusive relationship with her boyfriend. But we work like family, so we were always saying, like, "Why are you with that? Why are you still with that guy?" And all this. And so so it's all kind of this come into maybe showing somewhat in the film. Yeah. This kind of expression. I'm curious if you can talk, say a bit about the thinking behind his uh, skin condition. I mean, there think, the things in your films are always often drawn from, you know, real histories and or your own memories and encounters or those of your actors. So, like, where, what was the thinking behind his uh, skin? I think that that's one of the few fictional ones yeah. I thought about. Um, yeah, like like that. It's about this. Um, Mm. I'm not sure. I, I, because it was shot in my in my uh, parents' clinic, and I think at that time also, if I if I may say, it is a uh, there's some patient with uh, AIDS also coming, and I think I was really shocked, uh, uh, also really empathized. Uh, but and there's the, some condition, and then and and then I'm gonna wait like how how my dad gonna tell them or something like that, and it, it was really um, deep within me, yeah. This and and maybe this is part of it, the skin condition, yeah. yeah. All right, I think we can take two more questions. So uh, let's go here. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'm curious if you could speak to the uh, superimposition of the drawings throughout various moments of the film and uh, the relationship that's happening between those drawings and or how you think of the relationship between the drawings and the moving image behind them um, because it seems to be like dialectical. They're opposing almost at times in terms of what we're seeing. Um, yeah, thank you. I wish I wouldn't disclose that, <laughs> but it's a, it's a fiction. Um, but I, I kind of dream up of something about the way that Min uh, try to communicate, yeah, communicate uh, because he, the way that he learned uh, Thai language uh, because he didn't know and he, and I imagine there's a notebook that he practiced and Thai and because there's some point there's a Thai alphabet going on and and also uh, with the drawings or. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, we can take one final question. Yeah, let's go here. What's the story behind the face mask? What? <laughs> what did I think about? I'm not sure. Face mask with the fruits, right? The fruits and cream. And I don't remember this movie. It's a. <laughs> And then, and she put the fruit a lot of. Fruit. I I really don't know how did I came up with that. Yeah? It's a, yeah. And help me. Um, uh, let's okay. just. <laughs> no, no. I don't think any, everything has to be explained. Let's just keep it that way. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I would urge people to stick around for the next film. Actually, do you want to just lastly <clears throat> say a little bit about the program that you've curated for us? Um, and 
I love that you've selected, in some cases, films you haven't seen because you want to see them, which I think is a great, Why not? A great way to program. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, are these films that... Because you've also said in recent interviews that you don't watch uh, very many films these days. So these are mostly films that made an impression on you, films and filmmakers. Yes, yes, um, film, filmmakers especially. Um, because it was... But uh, so these films are quite old films, you know. So so still the period that I still watch movies, yeah. So so those are you know something with really big imprint, yeah. And for example, I watched I walked with a zombie last night, and I was like, whoa, there's a lot of something that I think I stole from, yeah. These uh, many scenes and feelings, yeah. And I think they are. Mostly really simple film, you know, just really economical approach about one subject, and yeah, and and I think it shaped the way I, I prefer in filmmaking too. Uh, also, especially about the line between fact or fiction and whether that exists. And well, tonight's film is very much about that. Yeah, that, that we'll save, we can save that for your intro. Um, yeah, and. Uh, so we're going to show A Man Vanishes uh, by Imamura at 9.30. Uh, and we'll also see you back here tomorrow for Mysterious Object at noon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.